And welcome into another playoff edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, and I'm joined by your two-time Stanley Cup champion, one of your favorite Dallas stars. I consider him one of my besties. You know, Craig, growing up, my grandfather, they all said, like, if he's nice to you, that means he doesn't like you. So, and my grandfather and I were really close. So that means that Craig Ludwig, deep down inside, likes Gavin. Oh, you got some <laughs> bad advice. How's it going, my friend? It's going very good. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good. For those listening at home, I put on the title of uh, when I was sending Craig an invite to this podcast. I put Spits and Suds, Craig Ludwig, my best friend. <laughs> and I spotted it immediately. Yep. Yep. Just a little chirp. Just a little chirp to you, my friend. It's playoff time. I had to up my chirp level. That's right. <laughs> Stay out of the box, though. <laughs> All right. That's a great segue, man. You're good at this radio thing, Craig. That's a a good segue, my man. (laughs) All right. So the Felino hit, Um, you know, both Sean and I on the post game um, thought it was a penalty Uh, question. If it would be a major based on, you know, what Fox was trying to do that felt as though Felino never really moved um, the knee from a professional hockey level. What were your thoughts when you saw it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was a, it was definitely a penalty, um, and I'm I'm okay with it being a major. Unfortunately, I think for Minnesota and in particular uh, Marcus Salino is, you know, he's been front and center uh, when it comes to you know the the calls this series, and so I think if you know what if if he probably wouldn't had the the last couple in the previous game you know, maybe he gets the benefit of the doubt, but I think, you know, and again, these are, these are things that are happening full speed. Um, In defense of the, of Foligno, I would say that he never really stuck his knee out. I think he was, he was in a position, but he didn't try to avoid it either. You know, I, I, a lot of times we see that, that knee kneeing penalty where at the last second, a player knows that he's kind of beaten his last last resort to get a piece of somebody is to kind of stick your leg out. Uh, I think he had his legs in that track the whole time, but he did not try to avoid anything. And, you know, and, and I, and I think for as far as Raddick goes, I mean, he was, you know, trying to pull the, the puck out of the air, you know, and get it down as quick as he could. And so I don't think he put the onus on him. So uh, again, if they would have called it a, you know, a penalty in a two minute, I'm sure there would have been an argument, but I I guess I could have understood it, but I have, you know, obviously no, no problems with that being a major and, and, you know, you look at it and it's, man, it's, it's the, it's early in the game and, and you could point at that being, you know, one of the two or three keys of the Dallas Stars win. Uh, Two questions as a former player. One, it just, the game is so fast. How do you change from a skating point of view? What could he have changed to prevent that knee on knee contact? And the second question is, is when after the game, a guy like Felino chirps, do you as a teammate kind of shake your head knowing that these officials are human and that that might cost you the following game? Yeah. I mean, you, you try to park it. I mean, after every game, you know, you, you try to reset. 
Um, but this isn't just a one-off. This this has been going from the Pavelski hit, you know, and there seems to be something, um, you know, from a penalty standpoint, especially on Minnesota side, each game that they've played. I mean, it's the reason they're behind in the series it is because of, you know, and Dallas has to do something about it, which they have, and it's been scoring the power play. Um, but, you know, in order, to answer your first one, what do you do to change it? You know, and I think, you know, in today's game, now you're talking about the head hits, right? And so if he if he tries to make a move and get more of his body, do you ch- take a chance of, of getting, you know, targeting a shoulder into a head? And so I, I don't know what he could have done. Again, we get we, we have the opportunity to watch it in slow-mo yep. and over and over and again. And, you know, these guys are light years ahead of us when we were playing, especially myself, as far as speed. And, but again, you know, the, the attention is on Felino. The attention is going to be on Felino tonight from the standpoint of, you know, the referees and, and referees don't try to, uh, you know, and all the talk that's been going on about the referees. And there seems to be something in every single game. Yes. Not just stars, Minnesota, every game there, the very next day, there's going to be questionable things, but, but again, they're under the microscope too. The last thing that referees want is to be the outcome of a hockey game. They don't want to settle a regular season game, and they definitely don't want to be the talk the next day. And but they're all and because I mean it's cutting into their pocketbooks too. You know, I mean once you get past the first round, these guys are all all rated. All the referees and linesmen are rated, and so you know they're going to be cut in half once they get down to the next round, and then in half again, and then in half again. So um, they want to be there the whole time if they can and make some extra money. So I brought up, I mean, it's kind of a crazy idea because it's never happened, but, you know, Sean was like, you know, I'm open to that. What are your thoughts on? Don't tell me eye in the sky. No, 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 no. I was oh, saying, okay. I was saying adding, um, and letting one of the linesmen become another referee. So three refs on the ice. Oh, now we're, now are we just going to end up with more penalties? And that's a good question. It really is. I was just throwing I, it out I there as a possible solution. But, but you know what? In a way, they both are because I think their I think their get out of jail card, or at least buy them some time, is to be able to call a five minute major right off the bat. Right? Yeah. We, we saw that with the Dumba hit. Yeah. Um, we've seen it in other games. I think that's their, which is the the Pavelski rule. I mean, that happened, you know, when he was playing in San Jose. It's the reason the rule came about. But, but you know, they they're at the point now where they they figured out that if they're not a hundred percent sure, let's just call a major. And, and that way we get to four guys get to come together. They get a chance to review it. So in a way, I think they already have that, uh, you know, that kind of built in, you know, from, uh, but I think they, I think they confer with each other a lot. And I, I think we, we all love it. I mean, that, that these guys get together after calls, icings, whatever it may be, pucks over glass, you see them come together right away. So I, I think in a way, I don't think you actually have to have another referee out there. They, they can, you know, there could be three of those guys against the, the one guy that makes the call. There's three other guys that have an opinion on it, you know, whether they saw it or not. And so, but again, in my opinion, that's why that five minute rule is there. It gives them an opportunity to, to go back and look at it. So give us a perspective from both sides as a player, because you've been down in series and you've been up in series. Is there an emotional difference heading into a game six? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, obviously for Minnesota, they know it's do or die. Um, I mean, that's a pretty simple one, but, uh, you know, I think when you, you have a lead and you want to close it out, the the last thing that you want to do when, when you're the better team and everybody can argue in, in every series, who's actually the better team. But I mean, if you look at, 
you know, in, in our opinion, we feel that Dallas Stars is a better team than Minnesota, and they've got more bullets in their gun, even though not everybody is firing those bullets yet. But but you you do not want to play in a game seven. In a game seven, anything can happen. And, you know, that goalie, you know, if they would – you never know the way that they're going. I don't see it happening. But they could throw Flurry in there again, and and he could just have an incredible game and stand on his head the whole time and steal a game. So and from Dallas's standpoint, Minnesota's tight, right? They're, they're tight today. They're at home. They want to win it. You know, they don't want to lose in front of their home fans. They want to go to game seven, but they know that it's, it's do or die. And for Dallas, they've got a little bit more rope to play with, but they know that they do not want to do the same thing and face the same thing that, that Minnesota's up against. They want to finish this thing. So, you know, and there's some pressure on some certain guys from Dallas. I mean, there's a couple guys here. I mean, <clears throat> You look at it, there's only four guys that have scored five on five for the stars in this series. You know, their power play is what's what's doing it for their power play and keeping their emotions in check and not make having a parade and not retaliating. Uh on you know, they I believe that Dallas sees the bigger picture more than Minnesota. They understand that they're a team, we're gonna keep our emotions, we're not gonna take what can be a power play for us and, and turn it into a an even sense even strength situation, put it to four and four. Let's just take, because again, for me, the, the biggest question is how, how does Minnesota approach this game? Their identity, they're playing to their identity. Have they gotten screwed on a couple calls? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I think they may have. Um, but now again, do or die game. Do we take our foot off the gas a little bit? We don't want to be going to the box, but then again, we're finding we're keeping Robertson off the score sheet five on five, because maybe, you know, maybe he's not completely engaged and hundred percent comfortable the way this game is being played. But then again, I look at what Dallas is doing and they're doing it very smartly and mainly because of Miro and, and Suter, they're finding a way to, to shut their big guy down. I mean, Kaprizov has really done nothing. And, but again, you'd say he's due. Um, but you know, so I think for Dallas, they're going to continue to play their game. They're going to play a road game. They're talking about not taking any penalties. And I think that it'll be very interesting to see how the Minnesota Wild want to approach this game. Do they stay with all the talk that we're this kind of team, we're that kind of team? Um, do they stay that way or do they say, we're going to have to pull back a little bit because the last thing we want to do is hang ourselves. And, you know, it'd be different if, if Dallas's power play was only working at 15 or 20%, but my God, they're, they're over 50, 55% in this thing. So, you know, and again, for Minnesota, they've got a great fan base. They want to get their fans engaged, you know, give them a reason to get engaged. Let's not take our fans out of it early either. So I wondered if maybe they throw flurry back in net. I just can't see it. Yeah, okay. I mean, this other guy, I mean, Gustafson's been, been great. I mean, yeah, he's, he's got, been really good. He's got like a nine thirty save percentage. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I mean, Flurry was, to me, was such a train wreck in that game. And, you know, it, it just, if, if Flurry had, hadn't given up, what was it, seven goals? If it was a 3-2 game and, you know, if it was something like that, I can kind of see him going back to that. But how do you, how do you put a guy in that gave up? And he made some good saves, but at the end of the day, he gave up seven goals, I believe it was. And he looked awful on like two or three of them. I mean, just awful. Like he didn't, he didn't have a clue what that was going on. So how do you answer that to your fans? If that, if, if that's actually what you do. And he has a, he lets in a couple of goal, goals early. 
Yeah, yeah, that's certainly. I mean, I, I think the last guy in Minnesota that you're going to point at is going to be the goaltender. He, he's been, I mean, I think yeah. he's done. He's probably, there's probably, even in the first game, you know, th- there's been a couple goals that I didn't think were great. But, but you know, he's basically kept their team, you know, in it to the end. Yeah, I I will say what I'd love, and I think they've made a concerted effort, and this is one of the many reasons Tyler Sagan deserves huge props in this series, filling in for Joe Pavelski. But the screens they've set on Gustafson the last couple of games, I think have been a major factor. They're getting in front of the net. Um, and, and I know you could do that with every goalie, but I didn't see that in the first few games. And it appeared to me as though they're making a concerted effort to not give him clean looks. I just, I just think it's playoff hockey. It's things that, you know, I've talked about this forever. You know, the teams that, that I was part of, I mean, we had an MO and we were going to play that way for 82 games. That way it was automatic in the playoffs. And, you know, Dallas has found ways to go through the regular season scoring, you know, from the perimeter and highlight real goals. And that stuff kind of changes when you get into the playoffs and things get tougher and space becomes more limited. And, and, and I think when we first talked and when Joe was out of the lineup, I, I just felt it was going to be a perfect spot for Tyler. Look at where Tyler scored his goals. I mean, they're all Brendan Morrill goals. Yep. They're right. They're from two feet in the crease, yeah. you know, from the crease. So, and, and Tyler's got the hands and he's got the poise and things that, when he's in that area, it's not a guy that's going to panic in there. You know, if it's other guys, you know, your third and fourth liners in there and they're first thing you're going to do is just bang at the puck. That's just natural. But I think Tyler's got that, that extra second to take a quick look. And, and I, and what it's done is it, it's, it's, you know, you've taken one of your, your high end guys and, you know, put them in some traffic and, but, and on the other side of the coin, I, I don't, it, it appears to me that he's not really getting abused when he's in front of the net either. You know, not not like what we're seeing Suter do to Kaprizov. Every time Kaprizov's out there, and when Suits is around him, he's getting a cross check in the ribs, or he's got a hand glove in his face. And and the thing about uh, Kaprizov is he'll punch back, and mm-hmm. that's exactly what you want. Either go off and and you know coincidental minors take him off the ice. Anytime that if there's a player on Dallas team besides you know Rupe and you know the top couple guys, but if you can go off the ice with Kaprizov. That's a good, that's a good exchange, you know, yeah. going to the box, keep him off the ice for a couple of minutes. You get the power play. He doesn't kill penalties, keep him off the ice. So I think his rhythm is kind of broken right now. And, and he's probably the guy that, you know, and I, I can see them using him even more if there becomes a lot of penalties and, and getting, trying to get some rhythm for him to get onto the ice. But, and then it looks like if he doesn't get out there for, you know, an extended period of time because of penalties or whatever it may be, then he gets out and he tries to do a little more and a little more. And, you know, it's not like he's hogging the puck or anything like that. He's an incredible player, but they've done a good job keeping him off balance, staying in his face, not giving him any time and space. And, you know, they've got not just one guy around him. There's a couple guys. And they're basically saying, listen, we're taking their best player out of the occasion or out of this situation and without taking a penalty. But if you're going to take a penalty on him, that's one thing, but try to get him to go to the box with you. I'm Gavin Spittle. He's Craig Ludwig. You're on Spits and Suds right here on 105.3 The Fan. Okay, let's play Coach Craig Ludwig. If you're Pete DeBoer, it's been two games. Joel Hanley's been in. Colin Miller's been out. Colin Miller was very valuable during the regular season. Would you put Miller back in? I, I, I. <laughs> I know, I know. I call, don't, coach. I, I've liked Colin Miller. I've liked him all year long. I liked him before Jim Neal made the move to get him. He had a rough game, had a couple – individual mistakes that you know led to a goal or two 
but I, the only thing is, is what the, the one thing that Dallas has to clean up is the outnumbered rushes, especially early. They've given up some two on ones. They've given up a couple breakaways. I mean, Kaprizov even had a breakaway there. There's, I mean, if it, Jake, Ottinger's been incredible. I mean, you know, and I'm talking about the timely saves, the big saves, the game changing saves. I mean, they, they've had two, three, four uh, opportunities in games, especially early in games. And, and there's times when that pairing has been out there. Um, but again, you know, Colin was victimized by a couple of them too. And I, I guess that what you're doing is you're saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it from the standpoint, we're winning games right now. And we've got a goaltender back there. Would I, I probably would go back to Colin Miller, just, just only from the standpoint, you can, you're a young guy. Again, this isn't, I look at, sometimes I look at the bigger picture. If this game doesn't go Dallas's way, let's just say they have to go play a game seven. I would rather have Colin Miller in there tonight, knowing that he's back in the fold tonight versus coming back in, in game seven. And I, and I just, that, that's just me. And just kind of planning ahead going, okay, where is Colin Miller's head right now? Is he rattled a little bit from coming out of the lineup and not going back in? And then you sit there as a player at time and you go, okay, I came out for this player, but I'm seeing the same opportunities that I gave up are being given up now at times too, but these, the goaltenders making the saves. So I just wonder if that goes into their thing. They, I mean, Pete DeBoer and his coaching staff, they, they, they've pulled all the right triggers so far um, to this point. So, you know, you got to trust what, what their decision is. And I'm sure they're having a powwow about it. And again, like I said, it, it may be, Hey, it ain't, it ain't broke. Don't fix it. And there's a couple of situations there, you know, at the end of periods, uh, one goal game, they're throwing that pair out there. So they obviously have confidence in them. So, you know, and that's the other thing that, that is making a big difference. I, I think Tyler Sagan, as far as forwards go, last game had 17 minutes played. That's it. He was a top guy mm. for forwards. And it just tells you the balance that, that they believe in uh, on this Stars team is they just roll all four lines, use all six defensemen, with the exception of Miro. You know, I mean, Miro can chew up 26 to 30 minutes. Suter, Suter used to do that all the time. Yep. Suits doesn't look like he's 38 years old out there right now. So, you know, for the people that were kind of down on Suter for the, you know, parts of the, of the season, um, you know, and again, this is a guy that's been through the wars and these are the guys that don't get rattled out there. And so it's nice to, to have him out there. And I think anytime you get an assignment and his assignment, it, it appears that is Caprice for that pair. And so there's a little bit extra you get out there and make sure, and especially when you get off to a good start. And you know you're frustrating them. And Suter can still skate. It's one of the things that his – it's a reason he's been able to play as long as he can because of his skating ability. Is it as good as it used to be 10 years ago? No. But, again, I, I think he's done a hell of a job this series, uh, along with Miro. We know that Miro is the, is the horse there for, the, for this team in the back end. But, but those two have been really good, you know, keeping their big guys off the board so far. But one of the things I love about doing the podcast with you is the educational level that you bring to Stars fans that maybe you're just jumping in. Um, or our current Stars fans, you know, including myself, um, with a lot of things that you say. So I wanted you to break down, you had mentioned the odd man rush, which seems to be an issue going against the Stars. Tell us from a defensive perspective, why is that happening? Is it as simple as two things? That Pete DeBoer has these defensemen offensively pinching, 
and it gets past them, or is it a forward not getting back when a defenseman pinches? What are you seeing? It, it's a combination of both, but but it's been it's been their mo all year long. I mean, when I, I will go back to and look at Miro, Miro Haskin, and and I had I've said this publicly a year ago that Miro needed to do more. I, I remember doing a podcast with Mike Heike early in the season. And I, or I guess it wasn't early in the season, whenever it was. And I, I had said, I asked Mike point blank. I said, has Miro done enough to get into, in, into the Norris conversation so far this year? And Mike said, no. And, and again, we know that the Norris trophy is not what it is, what it used to be. I mean, now it's for offensive defensemen and, you know, Eric Carlson with 105 points is going to win this year, but you know, he can't defend at all. And it, so anyway, that's, that's a road I don't need to go down with right now, but, but Miro, and I've said this to you when, when Pete DeBoer had his opening press conference, when he first was hired as a coach, he made a comment and I was listening to the press conference and he goes, you know, they've got so many things in place, you know, and they've done a good job with this part of their game and this part of the game, we've got to unlock the offense. In my opinion, he must've been talking about Miro Haskinen because the whatever their conversations were with Miro coming in uh, new coaching staff and, and what he has done this year, especially as the year has gone along. I mean, what did he end up with 60 some assists or something like that? Yeah. I mean, he, he, they have said, listen, you've got the, the lungs, the size, you know, the size of a truck. So you can obviously continue to skate. Um, he, he's not a, a punishing defenseman, but he defends with his skating ability and taking time and space away from people. And so they've opened up that. So I, I just think that that's part of what their identity is. Now, to me, it's about the reads. It's about a defenseman being able to look around and find open people. And that's what happened in my opinion with a couple of the defensemen. And so when I saw Harley and a couple of the decisions right near the end of the season, instead of looking over his shoulder and finding people coming through the middle of the ice, he would go to where the puck goes to the wall. And sometimes that puck would get chipped through and it would create a two-on-one or sometimes a couple breakaways. So <clears throat> those are things that you learn as you get a little bit older. I, I just think it's more about having your head on a swivel, reading the time and score, the situation. Do we press now? What's the score? You know, what's the time on the clock? Those are young, young decisions that those guys will come with, but, but they've had an unbelievable season the way that they've played. And so they've taken that into the playoffs. And right now they have a three, two, you know, lead with a opportunity to close it out tonight. So I don't think that, and, and that's what I talk about all the time. Like when we played, we had a certain way we we're going to play and we're, we're not going to change it 20 games before or 10 games before the playoffs start, because we believe in our identity. They believe in their identity. And, and so they're going to stay with it. Why, why do you do that? <laughs> There's one big reason why you do that. It's that guy between the pipes and <clears throat> the odds are, and the averages and, and all the analytics is that we can take a little bit more risk because of the guy that we have between the pipes. Do we want to open it up? And do we want to give point blank chances in, near the end of a, <clears throat> a period, a game when we're tied or up a goal or down a goal? No, but you can be a little bit more, on your toes because you've got that kid in the net that has been absolutely incredible. And, you know, I, I, and speaking of the road game, I saw where, where I think Jake was in the, he's either the best or the second best in the league when it comes to playing on the road. Yeah. He and, feeds and on it. 
in road road victory. So yeah. it doesn't phase him, you know. And and we saw what he did last year against Calgary. I mean, what was it in the last game? Sixty some saves or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So in my opinion, you can turn guys loose a little bit more. And, and go ahead and create and play to your strengths when, when you have that, and, you know, again, there were, there were some years with other coaches here, <clears throat> they wanted to try to play the same way, but there were certain goalies that were here and they weren't playing. They weren't playing that well at the time. And I kind of questioned how they were doing that because, you know, you, your weaknesses, you try to prop them up, you don't expose them. And so I think that's what happened in the past. And, and right now, you know, that, that guy's their strength and, you know, you don't want to overwork him. He just looks so calm and, you know, confident and, yep. you know, so. Yeah. I think yeah, Miro's I, showing a lot of confidence too, which you talked about. I think, uh, you know, his play as this series moves along just continues to be, uh, you know, extremely impressive. He's not getting rattled by any kind of physicality. So uh, kind of impressed by that. I did want to well, ask. You can't, you can't hit what you can't catch. No, it's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Craig, we pointed this out, like, Something clicked in after the All-Star break because, I mean, he was fine before it, but he's taken it to another level. I'm not, like, saying anything bad about the first half of the season, but the second half of the season, he took his game to a new level. That That's what I mean. It was just I, – I just remember when, like I was saying, when I was talking to Heike, and it was like a week or two or three after that, and it was like all of a sudden it, it was like a, a switch was clicked. Yeah. And – and, and you know what? And that could be a conversation that they had at one point. Maybe the coaching staff had a conversation. Listen, you know, you're one of the top three, four, five in the NHL, and, and you're going to continue to be, and you're only going to get better, but you've got more, and, and you, you can do more. And the reason he can do more is his skating ability. He, can, he reminds me at times like Trevor Daly. And we used to have these rules around here, especially for guys like me, is when you got to the offensive zone and you went across the offensive blue line, the tops of the circles were about as far as you were going to go offensively. And, and I remember at the time that those rules were kind of in place here. And I, I'd mentioned to Trevor one day to Trevor Daly, and I just listened. In my opinion, those rules don't apply to you. The only thing that Trevor would do at times is when he did get into the offensive zone, there were times when he could cut into the front of the net. I'm talking about in the offensive net and then come back up through the middle of the ice. He would want to go behind the net all the time and just kind of keep his momentum going. I'm like, Dales, just turn up tight and come back and you should be able to go right down to the crease because you can get back. Trevor Daly had that same kind of skating ability. Didn't have the hands and things like that, that Miro probably does, but he was, and he was a good defender, but is for, for defensemen is especially your skating ability can get you into as much trouble as it can get you out. You just have to know the situations. And I think for Miro, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what the conversation, if there was any conversation, maybe there wasn't, maybe it was just that time, you know, it was like, click, I can do more. I can go here. I can press a little bit more, but for, for a guy that skates like that, there's no reason that he, he can go down behind the goal line on an offensive play and a rush. And he's still going to be able to get back into the play by the time he gets to his own blue line at the other end of the rink. So, I mean, that's not something you want to, you know, <laughs> you know, kind of live on, but, but just knowing that he can add to the offense that much more, because again, he's not, Miro's not the kind of guy like that Eric Carlson. He doesn't have the, you know, necessarily the hands and the, and the shot and things like that. He's got a good shot, but, but it's just kind of standard. And he's not going to dazzle you with some unbelievable move down there at the net. 
but he can he can create, he can shoot, he supports, he can be the fourth guy on loose pucks. He keeps pucks in with the ability to you know turn around and get back. So I wanted to ask you and pull back the curtain on some of the things you've seen in your career based on these two situations. So let's start with Bruins Panthers and kind of a, a cheapie by Kachuk. Boy, that Kachuk family, man. They're living up yeah, to their don't, don't, that. Don't call that a cheapie. You know what? Dirty? When guys do that, when they do that all the time, yeah, it's not cheapie. It's, it's some kind of uncanny knack for the moment. And no, we, no, we I was see- talking, I'm talking about, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the cross check, not the overtime goal. Oh, I thought you meant the goal. No, he's oh. a terrific player. I, I'm sorry. I should have clarified. No, I was talking about, uh, you're right. Yeah. I mean, kudos to Florida kudos. I mean, going into Boston and taking that thing to a game six. That's absolutely amazing. I was talking about the other night when he did the cross check in that sensitive area where there isn't a lot of padding and all Mark wanted to drop with him. And my question to you was, in your career, A, was there a goalie that you played with that was ready to drop the mitts? And is it a unspoken rule where the goalie is not allowed to drop mitts? Yeah. There, well, no. There's not. Jesus, just ask Doug Armstrong in, in St. Louis and Bennington. He, try, <laughs> he tries to fight somebody every third game. And he's become a distraction, I believe, to their team. But anyway, um, yeah, well, <clears throat> Eddie started shit all the time. You know what I mean? Like, but that was Eddie's crease. And Eddie knew that there were people around him that, but Eddie didn't need any protection. He didn't want any protection. We knew that, you know, Eddie's going to, I remember on uh, one of the guys from Detroit, you know, he got him from behind, you know, right in the jewels and, you know, caught, but, and you watch it and you go, oh no, here we go now, Ed. I mean, <clears throat> so I think it was Marty LaPointe. And, but anyway, um, but that, but from the, from the player standpoint, and from Allmark and Kachuk, that, that's you're down three games to one. You're down two games to nothing, three nothing. He comes from a family. He comes from a father that played the same way, was an unbelievable player, hard to play against, did the same kind of things. But those players know that there are certain times during, especially playoffs, there are certain times during certain game, you, you have to turn it. You, you have to find a way to stir the pot. And, and that's, that's what Kachuk understands that they both understand that the kid in Ottawa, the brother in Ottawa understands it. The, the dad understands the dad's the one that came out and publicly said something about the Florida Panthers. Like, I don't know, they must've had 10, 15 games ago in the season. Just you can't play soft. Like they do. They're just too soft to play against next thing. You know, they rattle off 13 and two because the old man said something and, you know, it came from the outside, but because it's, you know, a, a famous player, um, it turned whether that turned their team around, who knows, but they're in the playoffs, but that particular moment, stir the pot, get that. I mean, get their best players off balance somehow. I mean, Allmark's going to win the, you know, he's going to be the best goaltender in the year, in the league this year. I mean, Jesus <laughs> had 65 wins. Okay. And, and he's made some unbelievable. Has he been as good? Maybe not as some of the games in the regular season, but even still look at now, now they feel that they're in it. They're going back to Florida for what game six is it? You know, they're down three yeah. games to two. Yeah. I mean, so, Florida's pushing them more than a lot of people thought. Exactly. Exactly right. And so they're, what, what's the what's the worst thing that could happen? We lose four games to one? Yeah. You know, so stir the pot, and then who comes and scores the goal? Kachuk. Yeah, absolutely. No, overtime goal. You know, like I said, those, those, those kind of players just have it for big moments. But Kachuk is different, right? He He's a guy that, 
he plays on both sides of the puck. He, he's an he's an agitator. He's a goal scorer. He he chews on his mouthpiece and he pisses you off when he just stares at you. <laughs> he knows when to and when not to. You know, I mean, he can he can still stir the pot. And in my opinion, is he's probably the same kind of guy that will take a punch and and probably spear somebody really sneaky, but he'll spear the right guy that knows that they're going to flip out and they're going to take a punch and he'll take that punch and then they'll be on the power play. Then he'll probably score the power play goal. Yeah. Those guys just, they just have it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, ironically, uh, Keith, his father born in Massachusetts and attended Boston university. So a lot of Massachusetts ties with the Kachuk family. So just wanted to, uh, to bring that up. The other one was the Seattle, Colorado series, which is currently 3-2 Seattle, and the Kale McCarr hit on McCann well away from the puck going into the stands, and McCarr was suspended for one game. My question to you is, if his last name was not McCarr, would it be more than one game? And the other thing is, is when you see one of their stars doing that as a guy on the bench... Is it playoff hockey so retribution can't happen? Or, and I know it's a different game now, Craig, but I just, I don't know. I mean, it's like you took out Seattle's best player, just similar to what the Wild did to Pavelski. Does that happen next year? I mean, take us inside the locker room. Is the room upset at a guy like McCarr? Are they upset that it's just one game when McCann looks like he can be out for several games? You know, take us in the mindset, or is it just, hey, we got to play? Are you talking about his own teammates upset or are you talking about the opponent? I'm talking about, I'm talking about Seattle. Cause if I was a Seattle yeah. fan, I mean, I just, and if I'm the Seattle, you know, I mean, that's their best player. And to me, it's like, I understand the Pavelski hit was bad, but at least that was, you know, kind of during, you know, it was during play. Uh, I don't understand why McCarr drove him into the boards like that. I, I will tell you, I'll give you my opinion. I don't, <clears throat> again, without, it's so easy to, to watch it on TV and, and see a lot of things. When that puck went off the net or off the goalie or whatever it was, I don't know if McCarr actually saw it go out of play. Okay. And I don't think he knew where the puck was. He's not a dirty player. We know that. And I will say the whistle did not blow either. So that's a key. Exactly. And what I, what I would, and he was kind of turning at the same time. And he, I mean, obviously he spotted him. He's coming in, he's skating into Makar in a way they're both kind of going in the same direction there. I just think that he doesn't know where the puck is. He doesn't know the pucks out of play. That's my opinion. I, I don't, I have no clue, but I don't even know if he meant to, he understood how hard he actually hit him. But on the other side, the player probably knows that the puck went out of play. He's seeing that it's Makar. He knows he's not a dirty player. He knows the puck's out of play. He assumes Makar thinks the puck's out of play. Why would he even hit him at that moment? I think if it's a different defenseman, your your antennas are always up. But with Kale Makar, I don't think so. And I I just I just wonder. I, I have no idea if it was part of his hearing, what, what his reasoning was, um, because obviously he gets to tell his side of the story. Um, I don't know what it was, but I just look and I just wonder when you're, when you're going and you're going full speed and there's a shot, you don't see where the puck goes. Sometimes you kind of, you always have to assume it's still in play. 
and there, this is my guy. Does he have the puck? Or, I mean, but if, now again, if he saw it go out of play and he still finishes his check, yeah, like, you know, of, of course. But, but again, from the, from the Seattle standpoint, it's no different than the Pavelski hit. You get the license plate number and you may not get a chance to get back to at Makar until next year, but the first and the first and most important way to get back at Makar, to get back at Dumba, to get back at Felino is to win the series. Let it shake their hands tonight. That's the best way to get back at Felino tonight for, for the hits. That's the best way to get back at Dumba. And you know what? Then maybe next year when you're down by two or three goals in a regular and game 10, and, you know, maybe that's the time that you take out the full punishment on Dumba. I'm just saying that at this time of the year, they know what's on the line. That, that trophy is more important than retribution right now. And the first guys to say it were the players that got injured. I will promise that Joe Pavelski is not pouting because somebody didn't go and beat the hell out of Dumba yet. He wants to play in the next round or, in, or, or tomorrow night or game seven, whatever it may be. So that's, that's the biggest way you get back at guys in the playoffs, because the last thing you want that to do is be chasing this guy around, take dumb penalties on him throughout the series, and then let the other team light you up on their power play. Was there ever a, get him later. Was there ever a guy in the handshake line that it got ugly or is at that point it's passed? No, you know what? I don't even, I can't really remember. I'm sure there was something at, at the end of the series, but for the most part, I, you know, especially for guys that have been around, we get it. We, we understand. I mean, even in regular season games, sometimes, I mean, you, you get it. I mean, you, you understand the player, you know, the player, you know what the players are about. And, but especially in the playoffs, especially if you're on the winning side, you're just, you're better. You just smile at them. They're going home. You're going on. You st- you're still in it. You still have an opportunity. To, you got a bigger chance right now to get what they wanted because they're going to go home and they're going to have to watch you on TV. And so that that's that's what I mean. But there there will there will come a time. Dumbo will get his, you know, one way or another. I'm sh- I'm sure he will. Um, you know, and and you, there might be. I mean, back back you know years ago, you you may get your first game against that particular. Let's just say a Dumbo like player that that happened in a in a game and you get back to next season and you play them in game seven of the regular season that you haven't even played 10 games yet. And all of a sudden some monster gets called up from the minors <laughs> and you're like, Oh, you know, so, <clears throat> but you know, again, th- th- those, those times have changed. And, and again, I, you know, I, I'm, yes, it was a, it was a, it was a major collision, but I'm telling you, if if Dumba was on your team next year, not that he would be, but I'd like him as a player. I, I would I would want him to play that way on my team. And especially, I mean, I'm not talking about Joe or anybody else. I'm just talking about those kind of players. They're supposed to be hard. There's a reason him and Brodeen are are playing against, you know, Robertson and and Hintz and things like that. I mean, they're doing a good job five on five. Those guys haven't, I mean, I don't know if Robo's got a point five on five right now. All of his points have come on the power play. So, you know, you come into a series and you're going, Jesus, Henson, Robertson, and Pavelski. That's what this team is all about. That's their MO right there. Those are the guys we got to shut down. Well, obviously that they've done it to this point against Joe. They've done a pretty good job uh, against Robo. Not on the power play, though. I mean, I think, well, I don't know how many points he's got, five or six, and they've all come on the power play. Now, Hintz is another story. Yeah. <laughs> Hintz, Hintz has taken... 
Hints has taken his game. I mean, it's five on five, four on five, five on four. Uh, he he is he has been magnificent in, in in this first six games, five games. Where will Craig be watching the game tomorrow night? Someplace. I okay. I will be um I will be somewhere in a All corner. Right. I'll be in a little corner somewhere um watching the game i saw yesterday that it's a 8 30 game again so yeah that's, that's, that's right in my wheelhouse i know i know a couple of frosties will a couple of frosties you know you're just a you know a phone call away from joining sean and i after the game uh why where are you guys gonna be here <laughs> we do a post game after every game oh god <laughs> I'm sure that's riveting. <laughs> it is, man. It's great. Oh boy. So right, make sure everybody listen. You make, don't miss don't miss the post game. Don't miss that post game show. We we break down the yeah, we break it down. I mean it's 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 the podcast. We don't do it live on the air. I'm sure but, you do. Yeah. Sure, it's uh like I said, it's probably a can't miss. Don't miss this one. <laughs> Well, you should join us sometime. Sean's a big fan of yours. He likes you. I like Sean, too. Yeah. I'm not speaking about him. <laughs> uh, I remember, yeah, I took one day off from this podcast, and you and Sean did it together, and it was like buddy-buddy, man. And I just sat there, and the jealousy on me just just grew as the podcast went along. No, no. We're, we, were, we were missing you. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you are a beast, and thank you for the defenseman and former player point of view. And I love the education that you gave to all of us today regarding the two-on-one breakouts, the knee-on-knee collision and various things, and uh, as well as your coaching point of view as well. You're appreciated, Mr. Ludwig, and thank you for joining us as always. Anytime, Gavin Spittle. It's always a slice. <laughs> and that's going to slice do- with Spittle. Yeah, there you go. Hey, it's a golf podcast I should do, right? A slice with Spittle. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and we will be on uh, uh, after the game. So um, be early Saturday morning or Saturday. Check out the new podcast of Spits and Suds. But uh, really spread the word on this one because Craig did a deep dive and gave a nice preview. For game six. So excited uh, to see what happens, Stars fans. That's going to do it for Spits and Suds. Have a great day, everyone.